Calvary Church family, thank you for being here for our midweek service right here online. I know this is not the best way to meet, but this is the best we can do right now. And I want to just say thank you, Calvary Church. You guys are showing up every service and doing a tremendous job sharing with your friends the videos of the services here at Calvary. I want to remind you, be faithful to God in your giving during this time. The church is, is rolling full steam ahead with lots of things happening as we prepare for what's next at Calvary Church. Thank you so much. You guys are being faithful. And I want to say, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. Remember this. No matter what we face, God's got this. God has everything under his control. We are praying and we're believing for God to bring this to a soon end. And we can be back in the house together, worshiping our Lord and Savior. I hope to see you soon. God bless you. I hope you're doing okay on this interesting week so far. I know it's been strange for me in my life. And I know you have some challenges as well. But don't forget this, God's got this. Everything that's happening in our world today, God is still a good God. He is still in charge of all things. And don't forget, God's got this. Our theme for the year at Calvary Church. Tonight, we're going to take a look at the life of Jesus Christ and how he is literally our protector. Jesus is our protector. He is the protector of his people. In Matthew 23, verse 37, he said this. He said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. Watch that wording there. How often I wanted to gather her together as kids as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look at the imagery there. Jesus Christ is saying to his people, the Jews, Everybody, Gentiles, like, hey, I've been trying to gather you together because I want to protect you. When you look at this verse, you start to begin to realize that Jesus Christ shows himself as our passionate protector. Write that down. Jesus shows himself as a passionate protector. He longs to care for us. He loves to provide for us. He loves to bring us together under his wings as a place of refuge. The Jews, listen close, had a few challenges that brought Jesus to a pause in his own life to grieve for them in their life. One of them was simply this. They held a very strong public piety while holding deep inward depravity. On the outside, they were looking great. Everything was great for them. They were great with all the cleansings and rituals and so forth. But on the inside, they were dying. In fact, they were quick to judge. They were quick to self-affirm. Yet at the same time, they were totally unclean on the inside. Back in the early part of chapter 23, Jesus called them whitewashed tombs and blind guides, meaning, hey, you guys think you have it together, but you're dead inside and you can't even see where you're going. Think about our world today and things going on right now. Jesus still wants to protect his own people. He wants to take care of his kids. His family is his priority. Jesus protecting the Jews, of course, was not a new concept. God had promised the same thing to Israel back in the Old Testament when God's people were outside of his scope protection. He said, hey, come back in and I will take care of you. Here's a principle for us tonight watching this online. God takes care of and God protects his own people. From Noah building an ark to Israel and Egypt, God provides protection from pestilence and problems in a fallen world. Yes, we live in a world of fallen sin nature all around us. It's everywhere. Yet God himself is right there. 
Now get your Bible and go to Psalm chapter 91. It's a tremendous text. A lot of folks are texting me about this text and saying, hey, can you preach on this? And listen, it was already going to happen, but here it is, Psalm 91. Some people call it God's 911 text because it's 91 and up, up through verse 11, the emphasis there. But look at this in Psalm 91. Now remember this, Psalm 91 deals with pestilence. What's a pestilence? Well, we see this first in the story of, the, of, of, of Israel and Egypt. A pestilence is a plague-like attack, something you can't even see necessarily, but it comes at you all the time. And listen, a pestilence may be unseen, but it has long-term challenges to it. Does that sound familiar to any of us today? Could we say that right now we're going through a time of some pestilence in our land? Look at this in Psalm 91, verse 1. It's a little bit lengthy. Hold on, but it's a great text. Listen close. Verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In him I will trust. A few more verses. Verse 3. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler, and from the perilous pestilence, he shall cover you with his feathers. Remember Jesus in Matthew 23. Here we go again. He shall cover you with his feathers. Under his wings, you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Verse 5. You shall not be afraid of the terrors by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side. Watch that verbiage there. And 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. In other words, you will see this going on, but it won't come near you. Verse 11, or verse 12, excuse me. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling place. Remember this, your dwelling place is covered by the blood of God over your life, by the blood of Christ over your life through the work of Christ upon the cross. Verse 11, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Verse 12, I'm almost done, listen close. In their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone and you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. Verse 14, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. Because we set our love upon him, he will deliver us, it says. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. You can take that entire chapter, 16 verses, not lengthy but significant, certainly, and break it down into three simple words, promises, proclamations, and problems. God's promises for your life, what God proclaims over your life, and the problems all of us face in our life. Here's a thought out of this text. God's promises exist to combat our problems. There is nothing you've ever faced in your life that God doesn't already have a promise for. Everything we face, believers in this life, if you look in the scripture, God already has a promise to tackle your problem. There is nothing you're ever going to face in this life that God's caught off guard by. 
God is not shocked by the events of today. He's not surprised. He's not scrambling in heaven to say to the angels, what should we do? God has a promise for every problem you face in your life. We know this is true because through the entire scripture. Here's a thought for you tonight. Before the problem, God has already provided a place of refuge and restoration. He says things like this. He says, I'm going to be your shelter. I'm your refuge. Come under my wings. Come under my truth, and I will take care of you. We see that in Psalm 91. Listen, we're close. In Jesus Christ, God himself provided a person of reconciliation. This, of course, came before sin ever took place. Back to the idea that before the problem, there's a promise. Before there was ever sin on the earth, God had made a commitment to a savior plan. Before sin ever hit the world, there was a promise out there, a proclamation out there that God would send to us a redeemer who would redeem mankind back to God himself. When I look at the earth today and all the stuff going on around us, I'm reminded of the promises in God's word. When you know what God's word has said, that changes everything for you and for me. I challenge you right now in these days, hold tight to the promises of God. In fact, study the word of God at a whole new level of passion and read the promises, know the promises, and know what God has said about your life and about my life. When we understand that before the problem there was a promise, it changes everything. God is not surprised. God is not caught off guard. God is a good God. He's a loving God. And God has a promise even for what we face today in our society. Listen, never tell yourself that God has taken a vacation or that he stopped caring about where you are. Remember this, God's omniscient. God's omnipotent. God never ends, he never sleeps, he's always, he's always knowing, he's always going. God's all powerful, God is everlasting. All this together tells us that nothing has ever happened or will happen that catches God off guard. Everything, listen to me, is already accounted for by God on the earth even today. See, God's promises, though listen close, are made to those who place their trust in him. When you read Psalm 91, the question here is not what will God do? The question is what are you gonna do? Have you placed your trust in God or are you trusting elsewhere with your life? Are you looking to some other place to, to impact your comfort and your peace? Listen, trust is a real decision all of us have to make. And here's how you trust. When you choose to trust God, you're exchanging your worries of what we cannot control for the worship of the one who controls everything on the earth. Think about that. To trust God is to exchange my worries for worship. Now, I don't just mean to sing or to play a song in the background. I mean to literally begin to exalt who he is. When you feel stress coming on you, when you feel worry coming on you, Folks, that's when you worship God. That's when you say, God, you are the great creator. You are the almighty. You are the most high God. And I take my problem. I take my sorrow. I take my grief. I take my anxiety. I take my fear. I take my stress. And I'm going to take it to God's throne room. And I'm going to trust you because that's the kind of God you are. I'm going to exalt you. I'm going to extol you. I'm going to worship you, oh God. 
That's what trust is. Trust is not just saying, I trust God. Trust is releasing God your worries in exchange for worship. Because here's the reality. You can't worry and trust at the same time. Let me give you an example of this. Uh, You've been in the rain before, I'm certain, and you've put an umbrella up before. And when you put the umbrella up, you know this, you're not going to get wet from the rain again. You fixed it. It is done. You can see the rain. You can hear the rain. But the rain is not running over your life. That's trusting God. When I choose to trust God, I'm putting the umbrella up over my life, God's care, God's protection, God's wings over my life. I'm coming under his wings like a, like a hen covers their chicks. I'm coming under God's wings, and he's taking me into a place of protection. And when I'm under his wings, I can see what's going on. I can hear what's going on. I can know what's going on. But I know this. God has my life under his protection, and God's got this, and I'm going to be okay because God's in charge of things in my life. That's how you put your trust and your faith in God. This promise in Psalm 91 is given to people who place their trust in God. Listen, don't tell God you trust him and then stress and worry. Now, does that mean you shouldn't be diligent or plan or prepare? No. The Bible talks a lot about wisdom. The Bible says to prepare for the next season and this season. We should live prepared lives. We should live under authority. We should use wisdom. Trusting God does not mean throughout your thinking brain. Still choose to think, still choose to be wise. Listen to those in authority. That's also the Bible. But in the end of the day, you're not going to worry. You're not going to fret because you're the God is in charge of all things in your life and in my life. Look at this in Isaiah chapter 41, 10. It says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand, my righteous right hand. Psalm 91 gives us two metaphors to describe his personal hand and care and protection over my life and over your life. Let's go back to Psalm 91. First of all, in verse four, we see both these here. He first promises to cover us with his wings like a mother hen over her chicks. When God covers you with his wings, he's showing for you his care and his compassion. Please know this. Yes, God's a God of truth and judgment, but he's also a God of care and compassion. God cares about you. God has compassion for you. The Bible gives a picture of Jesus Christ. The Bible says he was moved with compassion. He was was torn by how he saw his people. And so when you find yourself in a fix in life or a difficult time in life, don't ever fear that you can't come back to God. No matter how far you've been from God, no matter where you've been living your life, you can always come back to God because God is a compassionate and he is a caring God. We can know this by faith. We can trust that God loves us just as we are. I know in life, when we make a mistake or mess up, it's easy to think that God has turned his back on you, and that is simply not the case. God is so caring. He is so compassionate. And we see this wing dynamic here as a tender and a soft covering over those he loves. God loves you. God cares about you. And today, God's wings can come over your life if you'll simply choose to trust in him. 
God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. And in these days, in these times, don't forget, no matter where you are with God, you can always come back, place your trust in him, and you can find in him the care and the protection you need for your life. Don't ever think that God's waiting to get even with you or to say, hi, you had that coming. That's not God. God's a caring God. God's a compassionate God. And God sees you as you are, and he loves you like you are. When I look at this idea about Christ looking over at Jerusalem and lamenting and mourning, he's saying, guys, I sent all this stuff to you. I sent the prophets. We've sent the word to you. And you keep killing the prophets and rejecting what I've sent to you. And even then, Jesus gave his life for those very people. No matter how far you've wandered from God, hear me right now. God is still for you. He is not against you. And God is on your side. The second thing we see in this Psalm 91, verse 4, that's a metaphor of how God looks at us, how he cares for us, protects us. We see the idea that he is our shield. He is our buckler. He is our shield. What's that mean? That means that God is a victorious warrior. God will fight for you. When we fight a battle, we fight in the spirit realm first, not in the natural, in the spirit first, and we fight with spiritual weapons. Hear me right now. We fight everything in the spirit realm first. Now, many things manifest spiritually and naturally. That's true. But don't fail to fight in the spirit realm. Here's a thought for you. As much as you watch the news, be sure to pray more. As much as you watch the news, be sure to get in the word more. As much as you think about yourself, think about somebody else more. You combat every every attack of the enemy in the spirit realm first and then in the natural realm. The scripture's clear on this, that everything is a spiritual warfare first and foremost. Ephesians chapter six says this, it says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but uh, against principalities and powers and against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness found in heavenly places. You go on down to verse 14, it says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So let's kind of unveil this real fast. Let's kind of peel this back. One of God's names in Psalm 91 is the name El Shaddai, or the Most High. And what that means is he is a powerful and a plentiful God. And when it comes to warfare, he is a mighty warrior. He is able to conquer any enemy out there because nothing can stop the power of God. And when you look at Ephesians 6, it talks about spiritual warfare. It talks about combating things not in the natural, but in the spiritual. So what's that look like? Well, there's two things we see in Ephesians chapter 6. First of all, our first weapon is truth. Our first weapon in spiritual warfare is truth. It's easy nowadays to hear lots of things said, many of which aren't even true. And just think how fast hearing something just takes your emotions, takes your spirit, and takes it completely off the track. I want to encourage you right now, listen to me close. Listen to and believe only the truth. The Bible tells us this, that when it comes to thinking, one of the filters for thinking is things that are true. If it's not true, I can't think on these things. If it's not true, I can't meditate on these things. Because if I meditate on things not true, it will take my life in a complete opposite path that God has for me. 
So the first spiritual warfare weapon we have is truth. Ephesians chapter 6 has the breastplate of truth and righteousness, the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. There's a second warfare weapon, righteous living. What's that look like? That's your proper alignment with God. So two things you can be doing right now to combat this dynamic in the spirit realm is number one, believe and speak the truth. Believe and speak the truth. Secondly, listen close. We combat spiritual warfare things by living a life that is rightly aligned with God. That's important. Don't use this time to pull away from God. Use this time to draw closer to God. We combat spiritual warfare by truth and right living. Any one of us can do that right now. So let's land the plane for your life even tonight. What's this all mean? Well, we're in strange days. We're in strange times. We've never been here before as a people. Never. Hopefully, never again. But I know this. God is not surprised. God is your shelter. God is your refuge. And God is your source of strength. But know this. This is not just a natural war. This is a spiritual war as well. And we have to combat this by living in a world of truth and living right with God. I challenge you right now. Make sure you're coming under his wings of refuge for your protection and your care. God's a mighty warrior. He is on your side. Jesus looked over Jerusalem and said, listen, I'm trying to gather you together. Don't be hard to gather. Don't be hard to be drawn into God's presence. Don't be, don't be pushing back. Come on in closely and quickly and experience the power of God in your life. Live a life every day that's aligned with God's truth and righteous living. Now tonight, before I close out, I want to just kind of come back at you as an individual and ask you the simple question. Are you living with your trust in God? Are you trusting God at this time or are you trusting yourself? That's a question all of us have to ask in life. Are you living on self-reliance or are you living on God-reliance? Are you looking to you to solve issues in life? Are you looking to God to solve issues in life? Because right now you can make the choice to place your trust in God. Now to trust in God means simply this, to trust means to stop worrying because you can't worry and trust at the same time. To trust means to say, God, I don't understand this. I can see this, I can hear this, but I'm under your protection. I'm not getting rained on by the things of life. That's trusting God. Right now, I want to pray with you. If you say, Marty, I need to increase my trust in God tonight. I need to improve my trust in him to know that God does have this. God's got this. I need to just prove it by just saying, God, I give it all to you. I'm going to pray right now. Father, I thank you that in these moments we can call upon you. We can look to you. And God, that we can trust you. And God, I pray by faith that every person that hears this message tonight, that they will look to you and they will reach for you and they will find you as their source and their strength. Because God, we know that you are a good God and you desire to bring us under your wings of protection. We trust you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, the next area of trust is salvation. I never know who's watching a service like this and have no idea where you are with God. Maybe it's not your active in faith. Maybe you're not active in faith. I have no idea. But nothing says trust like committing your life to Christ and receiving his free gift of salvation. 
This gives you the hope of everlasting life. It forgives all your sins. It gives you a brand new tomorrow. You get rid of the guilt and shame of the past. You can walk forward in God's purposes. And you can make that choice right now, wherever you are, by saying this very simple prayer. I'm going to pray with you. If there is any doubt in your life right now, that if you died tonight, you'd make it to heaven, pray this prayer and receive the free gift that God has for you through his son, Jesus Christ, called salvation. Are you ready to pray with me out loud? Come on, let's pray. Say, Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus to be my Savior. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. I confess that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And tonight, I declare that you are the risen Son of God, my Savior, and my Lord. In your name I pray, amen. Come on, right there where you are, just thank God right now for saving grace and mercy. God has redeemed you. God has forgiven you, and he is for you tonight. Jesus is Lord of your life, and you've entered into a thing called salvation by his grace through your faith. If you pray that prayer, please contact the church as quick as possible so we can cheer for you in this moment of life change and transformation. You can email the church comment here on the Facebook page, wherever you're watching the service at right now, just make sure that someone knows that you tonight made a choice for Jesus Christ right there. Y'all been such a great crowd. Can I bless you and get you out of here? Put your hand up high. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May his love surround you. May his grace flow through you. And may you stay protected under the shadow and the wings of the Almighty. God bless you. I'll see you again soon right here at Calvary Church.